Welcome to Under the Hood, Carnell's internal podcast. I'm your host, Olivia Lane, and I'm excited to be back on the road with you today. Please note that this podcast contains proprietary and confidential information and is restricted to internal use for Carnell personnel. Buckle up for today's episode, which is dedicated to exploring the latest news and information surrounding competitors in the automotive SaaS space. As usual, I'm joined by our good friend and research expert, Sorrel Norland. Sorrel, we appreciate you. We're excited that you're going to help us navigate the road ahead. Let's go ahead and get started. Who are we talking about today? Yeah. Hi, everybody. Hi, Olivia. Thanks for having me back. Um, Today, we're going to do a deep dive into Upstart. And I know that um, Upstart's a little bit of a thorn in the side mostly in limited markets right now. Some people are like, yeah, I want, I need upstart information. And other people may be like, I'm not really running into them, but definitely a player that we need to take a look at. All right. So we'll be excited to peel back some layers today. Before we get started, Sorrel, you know, in order for us to produce these insights on competitors, we really have to put our inspector gadget hat, our inspector gadget jacket on, and we have to go to all these different places to obtain this information. I mean, we spend countless hours doing this. And Upstart was really interesting because we went to a lot of avenues that we haven't gone to with previous competitors. So it's a two-part question. What are some of the normal places we go to obtain this information? And what were some of the new places we went to to obtain Upstart Info? I do a lot of just basic Google searches. And what I've actually found is just the regular Google search. And then I will click over to the videos. And I'll actually, I discovered some kind of tucked away information I probably shouldn't have found on some of our competitors that were videos that they hadn't made private. Um, Even just clicking on the images menu option in Google, and it will pull up some images that might lead me down into getting information. Obviously the company websites, press releases, Zoom info, you know, there's a lot of places to get more high level information. But then one of the things with Upstart and other companies like CDK Global that are publicly traded, I've also been digging into their SEC filings. Obviously, as you know, publicly traded companies, they are required to file quarterly financial reports and annual reports. So they're really in-depth. They can be 150 pages long, but if you kind of dig through it, you can find some juicy nuggets in there as well. When Sorrel first told me that she was rolling up her sleeves and looking at their SEC financial filings. I was like, what? <laughs> That's a whole different uh, a nugget for me. But a fun fact about Sorrel, she's very comfortable in this space. She was in corporate finance for about 15 years. For $500 million revenue a year company, she managed their cash and short-term investment portfolio. So uh, she mm-hmm. knows the stocks to watch, the ones that... The ones that are about to dip that we need to buy on the dip and whatever. Um, all right, guys, let's, let's dive in. Let's dive into Prodigy slash Upstart. Upstart is a data company and AI lending platform. And they acquired in April 2021 Prodigy, which is an automotive digital retailing platform. And Upstart, what they do is they provide AI-driven risk models to help lenders originate credit more efficiently and with what they claim with lower 
levels of risk. Mm-hmm. So today we're going to we're going to dive into a lot about upstart slash prodigy. We're going to go in the lay of the land, their customer experience, their pricing, their integrations and and tell a couple stories, but with all the things that we scratch the surface at, they are saying they're lower lower levels of risk and and we might unfold that they might be the riskiest investment of 2021 or 2022. So mm-hmm. Sorrel, just go ahead and uh, lay, it, lay it out. Give us the lay of the land. You described it. It's an AI. It's actually really, they're a tech company. And what they developed, the, the founders of Upstart are former Googlers, as they call them, former Google, Google employees. And they built out this AI algorithm to evaluate customers' risk and their profiles outside of the traditional FICO score. So, you know, a lot of their customers that they the, the, the banks go to upstart to evaluate whether they should lend the money or not. Some of them actually have, a lot of them have no credit at all. They've got no credit history. You know, not they don't fit into the traditional FICO model of being able, a bank being able to say, oh yeah, this is a good lending risk here. So they built out this whole AI platform to basically start moving away from FICO scores. Um, so they're really a tech provider in the fintech world is what it's called. Yeah. And some of those things that they're looking into that aren't FICO scores and that traditional data of measuring the risk of a, a borrower, they go into where you're employed, what industry you are employed in, how long you've been employed in that industry, what's your education history, you know, so they're, they're going a little bit further to measure the risk of somebody. And so one of the ways they pitch it to the lending partners, and I think also in the auto lending space is that they can approve customers that normally would not be approved for a loan under the traditional FICO model. So, you know, obviously they've got a lot of data analysis with no additional risk, even though they wouldn't be approved previously, we've got this new model, you know, you're not taking on extra risk. They're actually a good um, candidate for a loan. So So they claim that they are letting banks approve two to three more loans at the same loss rate with this sort of AI driven model. Correct. But the, one um, of the key points I will just throw in here, Olivia, is that they've had phenomenal success. No question there. Revenue growth has been crazy over the last you know, four or five years. But one thing to keep in mind is that they did come up with this growth in a macroeconomic picture that was very favorable to what they were doing. But the CEO said straight up on a recent quarterly earnings call that, quote, a whole bunch of people who would have been approved are no longer getting approved. And lots of talk between the CEO on the earnings call and industry analysts about rising interest rate environment and potential worsening economic conditions, lots of talk about recession, et cetera, et cetera, is creating a lot of concern about how Upstart's going to perform moving into that worsening interest rate and economic environment. So that's something to keep in mind. It'll be interesting to see how it unfolds. I think you said it yesterday when we were talking about this year, like the sands are shifting mm-hmm. and that that definitely painted a picture for me. So Upstart, yeah, you said they're on their earnings call. They're a publicly traded company. They originally launched their IPO in late 2020 at $20 a share. And they even peaked. I mean, like you said, you, their success, everyone was buying. They peaked at $400 a share later that year. But they've definitely been on a roller coaster for their investors. 
So what's been going on? Kind of walk us through it. I, I like to kind of hear the the dramas. I mean, we were at Digital Dealer just a couple months ago, and it was all anybody could talk about that upstart while we were at Digital Dealer's second day, their stock was down 40%. And I think wow. uh, you told me something crazy today. They're down, what would you say, 26% today? Yeah, even today. So you mentioned they got up to almost $400 a share. It was $390 last October. Just yesterday when we was going over the prepping for this, their stock was just over $30 a share. So that's a 92% drop just in the last eight months. But today, down another 24%, $6 down. I mean, they're almost back to their IPO um, share price. So there's a lot of stuff going on with, you know, the stock market, investors, analysts seeing that there's some problems with Upstart and it's hitting the stock price. Yeah. And the, the one of the main problems is they wound up holding more loans on their books than they previously intended. So it's kind of drying up for them and there's higher default rates likely mm-hmm. to play into that. So yeah. um, final point but, on this, Olivia, is that one of the analysts that I listened to after their earnings call when their stock really tanked, the, the, these were his words, not a good quarter, not a good outlook not a good earnings call. I have nothing good to say about Upstart right now. So yeah, these uh, big bad wolves that we've been scared of for a little while are are starting to get scared of such as Upstart. Um, We're hearing that uh, they might be, everyone's jumping ship. What's another one of those uh, providers that was the number one stock to hit zero this year uh, that we'll talk about on a a call to come, Sorrel? Yeah, yeah. I think Upstart might be... It's stock price anyway, looking more a little bit like Havana, where I saw an article where a Wall Street analyst was saying, here are my top 10 stock picks to go to zero in 2022. And the number one stock on that list was Carvana. He actually predicted that within a month, they would be um, at zero. So, Wow, wow, wow. Okay, well, so let's dive into the digital retailing focus side of it. So like we shared with you guys, Prodigy was the digital retailing side that was acquired in April 2021 for, I think it was $58 million uh, by Upstart. Interesting about the Prodigy model. So we're going to walk through the, the customer experience for you guys. We're going to talk about the product pricing that they're offering to dealers, dive into some of their integrations as far as it goes with their CRM and um, and then we're going to go and, and close out with a story of uh, we've talked to two uh, Prodigy users and excuse me, Upstart Prodigy users. It's I'm always going to call them Prodigy. Like it's <laughs> it's it's going to be very difficult for me. Um, <clears throat> but we're going to talk about first their customer experience. But one thing I wanted to notate that we found they 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 don't have public out there how many dealers they have today, but they did publicly post in December of 2021 that they only had 400 dealers utilizing their digital retailing experience. So can't imagine how many they've acquired in just a half of a year, but let's just talk first through the, the customer user experience. So first and foremost, the launch when you go into an experience, it's a little bit more similar to car now. Yeah. Uh, we've been talking about competitors over the last couple of weeks and we, we have to say, Oh, they're all over the place. We don't know what to do. And car is very sequential. Mm-hmm. Well, 
Prodigy has that uh, sequential thing with us in common. On the left-hand side of the screen, it kind of, there's steps for you. And if you, uh, it it almost looks like they copied our, uh, our, our UI from about four years ago. It looks so similar than how it used to look. What were your original thoughts when you first started doing your secret shops, Sarah? Yeah, I would say the same thing, Olivia. Um, I do like the fact that they have the menu down the left side with, you know, so it's front and center. The customer knows what's involved. And I think one of the complaints about I had about Autofy is that they only gave you three steps and it seemed just way too basic for I'm buying a car and there's only three steps. Whereas this is much more robust like ours. It's very clearly delineated. There's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine steps. And it's also good in that it shows you when you've completed a step. So very clear in that respect, which I didn't find with Autofy. You know, it does give you the ability to search. Once you're in the digital retailing experience, it gives you the option of looking among the inventory for a perfect vehicle to work a DR payment on. So I like those options, you know, and you can click back and forth clearly between steps, you know, versus the click, 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 and then it's really hard to go back. So like you said, very similar to the way we've got things set up. But something that is different to notate is we didn't find a dealer that didn't go through the same structure of those nine steps. So what I mean by that is it opens with selecting a vehicle and then it goes to value trade and then contact information, customizing your payments. It goes and you can do protection packages. You can schedule your test drive, get pre-approved, upload documents, and then finish in store. Yeah. So the, they they do give dealers the ability to customize okay. their setup um, for their online experience. I mean, not a ton, but just in terms of the steps that they're allowed to set up. I would throw them out a bone and another bone and say they do have multiple payment options showing on one screen. So, you know, if you're clicking onto the lease tab, it's going to show you at one time the 10,000 mile, 12,000 mile, 15,000 mile payment for a lease versus ours is just the one payment at one time. Um, But on the same hand, they only give you self-reported credit range on a lot of them. I had some issues with the trade and adding a payoff and I kept trying to enter it and it wouldn't show up in my payment screen to adjust the payment. Obviously they don't have a Darwin integration where they can provide personalized protection plan information and educational options. There is no ability in this entire user experience to communicate with the dealership live in real time having this experience up. No personalized protection packages. Um, They have instant approval lending, but Azure Bank, Green Valley Credit Union, like, I don't know. I just seems a little wonky. Like, (laughs) yeah, I, 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 there was no, uh, Bank of America or Wells Fargo or Cap One Bank. They're all these like random. I think their number one bank that they get uh, loans approved from was it like something weird, Cross River? Yeah, Cross River know, Bank. Down the river. I mean, I don't know. I don't. I don't know if I want to uh, be <sighs> borrowing from somebody living in a van down by the river on government. <laughs> but um, yeah. So we'll we'll move on from that. Next up, the item that we wanted to talk about today was their pricing. So it's no news to any of you out there that they are a 
very economical solution offering $5.99. But even before that, they're offering it for free for extended amounts of time for six months or, or sometimes even longer. Um, so Sorrel, talk to us how this is even possible for their business model. How, how does Upstart make money? How are they able to do this? Obviously, as we mentioned in the beginning, they're a fintech company that provides an AI platform to lenders to use to evaluate customers that they want to provide loans to. Um, that business, per their last SEC quality filing, they made three over $300 million in revenue from that. So they're charging the banks to use their AI platform to evaluate lending potential lending customers. And I mean, if you think about it, they had 400 dealers by the end of 2021. If they were all paying full pop at $5.99 a month, that's only $240,000 out of $310 million in annual revenue. So they're using their fintech business and the revenues and the cash flow that's getting thrown off that business to fund the Upstart auto retail DR platform. And really basically why they're doing that is that it's giving them the ability to tell dealers like, hey, we're going to give it to you for free. But on for Upstart on the back end, they're getting an entree through that dealer's website and their DR tool to get access to more auto loan customers as well. The way that they're funding it is through their other business, which is 99.9% of their annual revenues. And obviously publicly traded company, I mean, up until recently where their stock's been getting hit, they're just a, one of those multi-hundred million dollar companies that have some really good cash flows to fund this business until it gets really up and running. So that's how they're doing it. Is Does that kind of answer your question, Olivia? Yeah, it definitely does answer our question. So let's dive into the next segment today. We're going to talk about integrations. Let's okay. start first with their integrations that they have tightly done with the CRM. Mm-hmm. Um, we, uh, have been able to validate specifically VIN solutions, but we're, we're led to believe that they figured it out with other, uh, CRMs as well. And essentially from a dealer's mouth, he said it is so their online to in-store is valuable due to their data cleanliness. Mm-hmm. So they have a customer experience that we walked through that we said, you know, is very sequential, but the in-store application that is application agnostic, I mean, meaning it could be on, or excuse me, device agnostic. Uh, So you can dump a customer into that same like sequential experience and with the ability to look up the customer in it and, and everything kind of tacks back onto the same lead within their VIN solutions. So they're not creating duplicate leads. They're not, um, you know, Olivia was working the deal with a customer when they were, was assigned the deal when they were online. And then they come into the showroom and they speak to Sorrel and it's now in Sorrel's name. It would go back into Olivia's name. So they have a, they have a nice little leg up there with CRM integration. Next up that I wanted to talk about was, They do have a little bit of a desking tool um, that they have the ability to turn on within their system. So 
we're finding from dealers, that's another way for them to be able to, to save a little bit is they have the ability to say, turn off their desking solution and say VIN solutions. So Sorrel, what's the amount of money that a dealer will save a month if they can turn that off in their VIN solutions? I'm not totally clear whether the, it, the desking is so dialed in that they can literally do that today, but it sounds like it's close and that's a seven, $800 a month savings if the dealer is using Upstart and then they're going to use the desking both online and in the showroom, turn off in solutions desking, that's seven, $800 a month saving right there. So we are talking about some things that we, we feel like their CRM is pretty dialed. We aren't sure how dialed desking is. One thing that we validated that isn't dialed, or at least the way I validated it and you validated it is because every single time we ever clicked on an in-transit vehicle, mm-hmm. uh, the lead gate popped up and we, we weren't able to enter in. So I guess they haven't figured out how to work a DR deal on in-transit yet. Uh, we'll let you guys know if they, they do figure that out. Uh, my question for you, Sorrell, is how many OEM program partners does Upstart have? Yeah, so currently, I think as of uh, June, early June, they were certified in program with six. So Volkswagen, Toyota, Lexus, Subaru, Mitsubishi, and Kia. So they're working that up. I mean, they had almost none basically when they launched in the fall of 2021. So they're now in program with six. They also got um, set up to work with Subaru. If you go to the Subaru.com website, they chose Upstart's DR platform to drive their program called Build and Price. So if a customer goes to Subaru.com and wants to build out, they're not finding their car at any of the dealerships or on the Subaru website, whatever, they can do a Build and Price option. And that is actually driven by Upstart's DR platform. That actually is available to Subaru dealers as a standalone product. They could be a car now DR customer, but if they want to engage with the Build and Price on the Subaru website, that's $175 for a dealer as a standalone. Upstart claims that they help banks originate loans that are more accurate and they mm-hmm. help, you know, this live decisioning on a dealer's website. You know, based upon the conversation that we had yesterday with that general manager, why is this scary for most dealers? Yeah, Olivia, we had a really interesting conversation with the GM who gave us 30 minutes of time to dig into. He was evaluating DR providers to shift from modal, and he ended up ultimately picking Roadster. We wanted to understand what went into that decision. And he really mentioned a number of times and really honed it that, hey, I'm your average dealer, and I'm in 20 groups, and a lot of dealers, maybe there's two out of my 20 that are all in on DR. They love it. They think it's great. Kind of like we talked about on the bell curve, they're that 10% out on the far right side of the curve, but the majority of dealers, he said, we're scared. We don't want to give up control to the customer to just completely run with setting up a payment entirely by themselves. We have issues and concerns about the payment's going to scare them and they're going to jump or to another dealer's website or the car that they want is way out of reach, but really we have another car, but we have no opportunity to help mitigate those scenarios for the online DR customer. So it really scares us. So I think ultimately, yes, Upstart has some great things that they can throw out there. They do have showroom right now and it's working, works well, apparently. They do have 
CRM integration where they can sit on an iPad with a customer, a dealer can pull a customer out of their CRM into Upstart showroom app, but they don't have the ability to communicate live with the customer. So obviously the majority of DR customers are going to be starting on a dealer's website. That's why they have a tool, a CTA there to drive a customer into working a deal. But if a, cu- if a dealer is really scared, like this guy kept repeating, I'm scared to give up control, what's the ultimate remedy to that? It's enabling a dealership to communicate live with that customer and intervene and be like, hey, I, you know, if you're feeling like this payment's too much, we have other options, other vehicles we can put you in. We might have loan programs that we can help you with to get your payment down. But an upstart customer has absolutely no way to be intervened in their process by somebody at the dealership or reach out while they're working payments and saying, hey, I'm just wondering if I can get more for my trade or I really want it to be $75 less than this. Absolutely no communication platform. And so to me, I just think what that dealer said yesterday, that is one of the golden tickets with CarNow is just the ability to communicate live and Upstart does not have that. Well, there you go. That's all we needed to know, Sorrel. No vehicle can ever be sold service. <laughs> without a conversation. All right, Sorrel, well, I'm going to let you go today. I appreciate you. Thank you for all your research that you did. Guys, if you have any other, you know, nuggets on Upstart you want to share with us at the team, definitely reach out. Um, it's a straightforward product. It is very clear, but at the end of the day, it nothing's clear if you can't communicate with someone. So thank you for your time, everyone, and we will catch you next week.